Well, God's love is relentless, like the song said, and their energy, I think, is relentless. That was actually a couple weeks ago, um, and we had a glitch that it, we didn't play it two weeks ago, and then I, I wasn't here last week, and so we didn't play it because I forgot to say something about it. But I didn't want you to miss it. That's, that, that's their fusion activity. What that is, um, just so that you know if you're not aware, um, Camp Shamanaw um, does an amazing job with programming and all kinds of stuff. The, the fusion is our 5th through 7th grade and 8th through 12th grade ministry. They combine and they, except for the food, they do everything. They do the programming, they do everything. And so it's, it's a big deal. It's like 50, they, we brought about 50 kids and, and it's just some great stuff happening. So now I, I feel like I haven't been here in six months. And it's been one week. A lot's happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, and I'll get to kind of that um, in a little bit. I just wanted to um, thank Mark Lynn for speaking last week. I, I listened to it. I heard great things. I mean, I heard great things listening to it, but I heard great things from uh, people and, and uh, just appreciate him being able to fill in and do that. Um, we're in a series and we're in, we're, this is episode five of Spirit Wars. And I decided since we already had two video clips today, I wasn't going to play a video clip. And I know some people, I've actually heard some people say that either them or their kids were coming just for the video clips. We can't have that. And so this week, I'm just going to, I'm not even going to do it in their voice. I'm just going to tell you, um, it's probably to me one of the most significant quotes in the whole movie. In the whole series of movies, it actually, in one form or another, happens numerous times in in, in the episodes. Um, the one, the the kind of the main one that everybody thinks about is um, Obi Wan says, "Be mindful of your thoughts, Anakin. They'll betray you." And that's said many times in one form or another. Yoda says it. Gorgonjin says it. it. It happens many times. But later on then, you know, Obi-Wan has said that to Anakin who becomes Darth Vader. And Luke then in Return of the Jedi says to Darth Vader, your thoughts betray you. And that was a warning from a long time ago. Actually, that's what we're talking about today. Not Darth Vader, Star Wars. We're talking about be mindful of your thoughts because they will betray you. Here, I want to, this is kind of like the big truth for the day. I just want to share this with you. Your life, your life will be the fruit of your thoughts. Think about that. No pun intended. Your life will be the fruit. Some of you are drifting off already. We had to, your life will be the fruit of your thoughts. Your mind is the real battlefield. Change your thinking and change your life. I can't tell you how big a deal this is. Because you can't have a negative mind and live a positive life. You can't do it. You can't have a lustful mind and live a pure life. You can't have a prideful mind and live a humble life. Your life will follow your thoughts. Your mind is the battlefield. Two weeks ago in the series, we mentioned um, the armor of God. Remember, and we mentioned that part of the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. And I said we were going to talk about that a little bit more. That's what we're expanding on a little bit today. We're just going to kind of hit the surface. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it's really not that difficult. 
but in one sense, it's extremely deep, and we could preach a year on it. So we're just going to kind of hit the highlights today. I want to read for you a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 4. It says this, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And the reason is, we've said this many times, we don't fight against flesh and blood. If it's flesh and blood, it's not the enemy. There's a spiritual battle going on. That's where the war is. And when we focus on people or we focus on things that aren't correct, we're fighting the wrong battles. It's not about that. So the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we have, all of us have those in our life, those strongholds, those areas that are just, they seem harder to let go. They seem like they're always cropping up. They seem like we're always dealing with those things. And the weapons that God gives us enables us to defeat that. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And this is key for today. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. All of us have thoughts we shouldn't have. I, 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 it was like Confucius or somebody like that said, you know, you can't stop a bird. Um, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. Don't even think about it. Okay. <laughs> we all have those thoughts. All of those, the, the problem the, is not the thought that flies through our head. The thought is not, the problem is not that thought that we have. The problem is what we do with it. When we allow it to stay there, when we allow it to fester, when we allow it to grow, when we say and do and think things that cause it to grow, that's where the problem is. That's what it means. Take those thoughts captive. Say, no, no. This is going to, my life is going to be obedient to Jesus. My thoughts are going to be obedient to Him. And I'm not going to let those thoughts take me the wrong direction. In other words, the way Satan fights, the way our enemy fights, is in the mind. It's the thought life. To understand this and fight well, I want to share two sets of things. The first I want to do is I want to just look at three big truths about this whole battlefield of the mind thing. Three big truths that once we know these truths, we can figure out how to combat them. Here's the first one. Believing, and you can, in your worship folder, there's an outline you can kind of follow along. There's some fill-ins. Um, it's going to seem relatively basic, but I'm guessing every single person in here struggles with this, and many of you are struggling with this on the way in. So taking notes is a good thing because, remember, we remember far more of what we write down. First one, believing lies leads us into captivity. Believing lies leads us into captivity. I know of nobody that says, I'd like to make decisions in my life that cause me to be a slave to sin and problems and have all kinds of bad things happen. Nobody says that. But many of us end up there. And one of the reasons is because we believe lies. Here's what John 8.44 says. The Amplified Translation that kind of expands a little bit says, When he, that's Satan, speaks a falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him, for he is a liar himself and the father of lies and all that is false. When he talks, it's a lie. It's like, how do you tell when Satan's lying? His lips are moving, okay? He's lying. 
Satan is the author of lies, and all of his forces are expert whisperers of lies. And they always mix just enough truth in with it so that you'll hear that truth. And you'll kind of, oh, well, that sounds right. But they're experts at mixing that all up. Now, that doesn't mean every sin that we commit can be directly blamed on Satan. I, I'm sorry, you don't have that option. I sinned, I know it's Satan's fault. No, it's not. He said it, but you listened. Ultimately, what it means is that all sin, directly or indirectly, can trace its origin back to lies that Satan has sown into humanity from the Garden of Eden and onward. That's what he does. And most of the time when we sin, when we fail morally, it's because we believed something false that came directly or indirectly from Satan's influence. Here's what I know. Some of you are believing lies right now that have wreaked havoc on your life. Maybe they're things you've heard recently. Maybe they're things you heard as a kid. Maybe they're things you've heard all your life. Maybe they're things that you heard once and you have just spent years rehearsing them. So let me ask you this. How many of these thoughts have crossed your mind? Don't raise your hand. Okay, just listen. I'm old. I know I'm old. This is I'm talking about your thoughts. I'm old. I'm fat. I'm lazy. I'm ugly. I'm not good enough for her. I'm not good enough for him. I'll never get the job I want. I'm not really good at anything. I'll never be happy. It could go on and on and on. We think these thoughts, and here's the truth, your thoughts betray you. When we do that, when we think those things over and over, what do we expect is going to happen? Because our life flows from our thoughts. And when we're listening to those lies, what happens is that leads us into captivity. And when we're honest, we really don't want to live there. We just don't know how to get out. So your thoughts betray you. Number one is believing lies leads us into captivities. You see, your thoughts betray you. But number two, discovering God's truth sets us free. Discovering God's truth sets us free. It tells us in John 8, starting verse 31, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We see that all the time. On place. You see it in, in educational places. You see it, I've seen it at, at, at secular universities up there. You know, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they think what the truth is, is the factoid that you learned in class. That's not the truth. It tells us, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. The truth is not a thing. It's not an it. It's a person. And that's Jesus. And the word of God the, the Bible is, is the word of God. And when we obey this, when we follow his teachings, it says, you will then know the truth and the truth will set you free. All of God's truth is a very powerful weapon in our hands. We don't like it all. We don't always want to listen to it all and obey it all. We just want to obey the convenient things. 
but it's all of God's truth that sets us free. In fact, the gospel itself, the good news that you can be free, you can be forgiven and have meaning and purpose in life and a hope for the future, the gospel itself is something that's hidden to the minds of unbelievers, the Bible says. They can't see it. It doesn't make sense to them. But when we embrace the truth, when we embrace the grace of the gospel, it changes everything. Too many people say, I'll believe it when I see it. And God says, you'll see it when you believe it. That's how it works. Because we are set free when we know we're truly loved. You don't get set free first. You understand that God loves you more than you could ever imagine. And that begins that process of freedom. We're set free when we understand the message of the cross. That the wages of sin is death. Everybody sinned. Jesus paid for that sin by dying on the cross. And when you believe that and receive him as Savior, you can be set free. You can be set free. We are set free when we tap into God's power. We are set free when we know our destination. We're set free when we find our worth and identity in Christ alone. Too many people are looking for their worth and identity in in the things they do, in the things they accomplish. And the problem is those things come and go. Things fail. We find our our worth and identity because we have a nice house or because we have a nice car or because we have this or that or we have a good job. All of those things can disappear. They do disappear. Julie and I were discussing, she's restaining our deck, which is like a major deal that she does every once in a while. And it's like, you look at it and it's like, holy cow, it's old. We just did this. Well, it was a while ago, but it just seems like we just did it. And when you place your worth and identity in things, you will be disappointed and your worth and identity will not be worth very much because your worth is far more than your net worth. Your worth is what you are worth to God. And when we discover that's where our identity is, when we discover that I can stand tall because God loves me, It's not because I'm good at this or that or because I have this or that. It's because he loves me. You see, God's truth is the the affirmation, the confirmation. That's the weapon we need to destroy these things that are going on in our heads. So believing lies leads us into captivity. And discovering God's truth sets us free. And the third big truth about the battlefield of the mind that I want you to get renewing our minds leads us into God's good plan. Renewing our minds leads us into God's good plan. If, I, if, you're, if you happen to be here this morning and are a follower of Jesus, and I ask you, would you like to, to be right in the middle of God's will and know exactly what it is and know how good it is? You say, yes, yes, yes. It tells us how to do that. His plan is good. It tells us in Romans 12, I love the New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. See, this world's trying to teach you how to be happy. And it doesn't work the way they're trying to teach you. To buy this, to have this, to own this, to do this, to go here. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. What that means is you can't do it yourself. God can do it. He can transform you into a new person, and here's how it happens. By changing the way you think. 
It's not about doing all the right things, wearing the right things, going to the right things. It's about changing the way you think. Then, when you change the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you. His will which is good and pleasing and perfect. So how do we know God's will for our life? How do we know that good, pleasing, perfect will for our life? We change the way we think. Because we're not thinking correctly. Transformation from what we used to be into these Christ-like saints that God intends us to be. It's a matter of changing and renewing the way we think. Because the battlefield is in our mind. That's where it starts. It's a matter of replacing all the errors and all the lies and all the deception with the truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. So that's three big truths. I'd like to be just a little bit more practical. As I said, we could talk about this forever. But I'm just going to say, here's three things. Three things you can do to start winning the battle in your mind. Here's the first one. Look at Jesus and follow his example. Look at Jesus. You know what the word Christian means? It means Christ-like. Initially, it meant little Christ. And it was actually a derogatory term that they gave to these Christians. Oh, I hate those, th- those followers of Jesus. They're just like little Christs. That's the biggest compliment you can receive. <coughs> to be like Christ. Look at Jesus and follow his example. Jesus, when he began his earthly ministry, went and was baptized by John the Baptist. And it said God, God showed his pleasure and his approval and the beginning of this amazing ministry, and you think Jesus now is going to start healing people and teaching and preaching. And immediately, it says he was, he was driven by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. Went 40 days without food. And I believe it was, the temptation was the whole time, but at the end of that, when he was at his weakest point, is when Satan hit And Satan would ask him questions, and Jesus would always answer, it is written. Here's what the Bible says. But it's interesting that Satan even whispered to Jesus, isn't it written? And then he quotes the Bible. That's why you better know the Bible, because your enemy knows it. You better know it. Jesus knew it, but he knew the context as well. Jesus said, yeah, it's written, but it's also written. And then he, he dispelled what Satan was trying to do, because he knew the source, he knew the context of God's word. Here's the thing. It's not just enough to wear a bracelet that says WWJD. Nothing wrong with that. What would Jesus do? Here's the problem. I found in my life, when I get to the point of having to ask that question, it's too late. My brain has already gone the wrong direction. I already started thinking the wrong things. I've already let it go too long. What would Jesus do? And it's too late. Here's what you need to do. You need to say, how would Jesus think? Leading up to that, what would he think? So what we need to do is look at Jesus and follow his example. (coughs) Excuse me. If you want to live the life that God wants you to live, you have to think the kind of thoughts that God thinks. The only way to know that is to spend time with him. Every day, spend time with Jesus. We, um, I'll, I'll tell you about this in a little bit, but we were, the staff was at a conference last week, and they have a giveaway that uh, I'm, we're just going to shamelessly copy because it was so good. 
um, they explain to people that when you come to Jesus, you need to spend time with him every day. And so they give this packet to people who, who um, come to Jesus, who, who become Christians. And one of the things in the packet is this cup. And it says, the cup says, Jesus, coffee, repeat. <laughs> I love that. Jesus, coffee, repeat. Every morning. I do that every morning. Julie does that every morning. There is something, when I'm sitting in my chair, and, I, and I'm, I'm spending time with Jesus, and I know that Julie's in the next room spending time with Jesus, there is something about that that warms my heart more than you could ever imagine. To know that, that she is spending time with Jesus because I know what it's done for me. So if you want to live the life that God wants you to live, you have to think his thoughts. In order to do that, you have to spend time with him. So look at Jesus, follow his example. Here's the second way to start winning the battle in your mind. Fill your mind with better thoughts. We had, when our kids were younger, um, this, this was kind of one of the main methods of our parenting. One of the things you can do when a kid wants something he shouldn't have is you can say no. And if you are a parent, you probably have discovered what you really then say is no, 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 no. Because what are you doing? You're focusing on the thing that you don't want them to have. We had this whole thing of distraction where you can't have that. And it's okay for us to say no. But the most effective way was to take them from that and say, look at this. You can do this and distract them. And that is a principle of life. You want your mind to think the right things. You think, I'm always thinking this bad thing. I'm always thinking this wrong thing. I'm always thinking, I'm old, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm lazy. I'm always thinking this. And what are you doing? You're cementing it in your head because you're going over it and over it and over it. You're actually practicing memorizing the wrong thing. And some of you have been doing it for decades. So it's going to take a while to renew your mind because you're going to be doing the exact opposite. But what you do is you fill your mind with better thoughts. In Philippians 4, the message paraphrase says it like this. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating. And here's what you meditate on. Here's what you think about. On things true and noble and reputable and authentic and compelling and gracious. We think about the positive things. He says the best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things, things to praise, not to curse. When we focus on the wrong things, when we fill our mind and our life with the wrong things, is it any wonder that we're always thinking and doing the wrong thing? It's time to change that. It's time to fill your mind with better things. And, and the best way to do that is to get God's word in your head. And the best way to do that is to come up with some kind of program that works for you that you are reading and memorizing verses from the Bible. There are verses that I memorized young, a long time ago that I can't tell you how comforting it is when I'm facing the wrong thing. Something comes to my mind and it's, and it's that verse. And the Spirit had something to work with because I put that in there. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I know a lot of people, especially adults, you get, we, get, we start to, to, to get a little bit more mature. So I can't memorize things. I can't memorize things. Yeah, you can. You memorize what you want to memorize. 
And so when we fill our mind with better thoughts, when we fill our mind with God's word, he has something to work with, and those better thoughts can come along. So you want to start winning the battle in your mind. Look at Jesus. Follow his example. Fill your mind with better thoughts. And then number three, practice. Practice making better decisions. Now, what do I mean by practice? I mean, start making better decisions, one better decision at a time. It took you a long time to get where you're at. It's going to take you a while to get out of that. It's not going to be tomorrow. Everything's going to be good. I'm going to think the right thing, and there's never going to be a problem again. One thing at a time. Here's what we talk about this all the time. Next steps. What's your next step? You need to make the next right step. The next right choice. And maybe it's a really small choice and you say, ah, that really doesn't matter. I can do this little thing and it really won't matter. Yes, it does. Because you're practicing making the wrong choice. And we get good at what we practice. Anybody else in here good at sin? I'm good at sin. Because I've practiced it too much. I need to practice the right things. So my question for you then is, what's your next step today? What is your next right step? Here's what I know. God usually says, here's what I want you to do, Tim. And I see this next step that he wants me to take. And I see all these other things that it leads to. I see all the good things. And what I want to do is I want to jump over to here and have this. And it doesn't happen. And I do everything I can to make it happen, and it doesn't happen. Do you know why it doesn't happen? Because that wasn't my next step. God gave me my next step. Why would he give me the next steps in a row if I haven't taken the, the next step he's given me to take? One foot in front of the other. That's how we do it. Your next right step. So what is it for you? Maybe for some of you here today, it's trusting Jesus. You've got the church thing. You've got the religion thing. But you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Because you haven't come to the point where you said, I believe that I'm a sinner, that he died on the cross for my sin. He died to pay for my sin. I not only believe that, I'm receiving that. I don't understand it all, but as much as I understand of myself, I'm giving to as much as I understand of him. I'm going to take that step. If that's your next right step, there's not going to be any other steps until you do that. Maybe your next right step is baptism. We believe that the, what the Bible teaches is that you believe and are baptized. You believe and are baptized. Because when you believe, you become a new creation in Christ. When you're baptized, you demonstrate on the outside what happened on the inside. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The death, burial, and resurrection of you. And maybe God's whispered in your ear many times, you know, you haven't made that public yet. And the way to make it public has always been baptism. So if you haven't been baptized, August 19th, we're having our baptism service down at the beach, weather permitting. I heard, I, I wasn't here last week, but I heard that some people thought that we had a baptism service here because during one of the services, the, the water in the roof kind of cut loose and got somebody wet. It's like, that's not how we baptize here. <laughs> we do it different here. We do it the way Jesus did down under and back up again. But maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next right step is celebrate recovery. And you're trying to do everything except what your next right step is. Maybe it's breaking off that unhealthy relationship 
If you're married, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, come talk to me. I'm talking about the unhealthy relationships that aren't marriage relationships that you know it constantly takes you the wrong direction. Maybe it's backing out of whatever that unwise pathway is. And you say, oh, there's going to be consequences. There always is. But they're never as bad as the bad consequences of disobeying what God wants you to do. So I don't know what your next right step is, but as leaders, we're always trying to take the next right step. That's one of the things we did last week. the, The staff... Um, was, was privileged to... I had a lot of people say, how was your vacation? It's like, yeah, there was no vacation. That's coming, but that was not it. We went to a conference, a Purpose Driven Church conference in California, and from early in the morning until either late at night or at least dinner time, we were being... It's like drinking from a fire hose. You know, the, you, you listen to me for 35 minutes, and it seems like forever. These were one and a half and two hour blocks at a time, and tons of incredible information. And then we would go back, just completely overwhelmed and overflowing, and try to discuss it and debrief. And, you know, we, it's like, well, how was the beach? We didn't go to the beach. We, we, we listened and we tried, all of us, we got a list this long, but we said, what's our next step? What's our next thing? I actually, I, I couldn't decide. That's why I kept this covered up. I couldn't decide if I was going to do this or not. Um, while we were out there, what they do is I'm going through this training. It's, it's, I did this eight-week training and this eight-month training. We've been, doing, we've been doing this for 10 years here. But we're, we're being official now, and we're going through the training. And so, um, actually, put the first picture up. This is the stage at Saddleback Church. And you see the goofy guy in the middle. Um, <laughs> last year, five churches got this award. This year, like, seven, was it 72, Mike, <laughs> or something like that? And so the stage was full of people, and they wanted to take, they said, oh, we want to get your picture up there. I tried to get all of them to come up there with me, but they wouldn't. Um, and so I'm standing up there, and, and I, all the tall people stand in front of me. Well, when we were leaving, I see Becca down in the aisle here. There's like, there's, there's 2,000 people in this room. And, I, and we're starting to walk off, and I see Becca there, and she's like this. She's waving at me, and I realize there's nobody in front of me now. So that's when I turned, and, and I grabbed this thing. This is, this is what they um, uh, awarded our church with. You see me holding that? This is not mine. This is not a recognition of anything I've done. Go ahead and show the next picture. The, the next picture is the staff that went, the guy in the front that photobombed us. He's actually the head of the, the, the global purpose-driven peace initiative in the world. And as we were getting our picture taken, he ran around a corner and it's like, sweet, this is the guy. And he jumps into our picture. There's five things on this. We have the first one, and it's just, it says in recognition for exceptional service and helping fulfill the great commandment and the great commission. That's what purpose-driven is. It's a great commandment and a great commission. And we're learning how to take our next step better. But really, it's not about me. It's not about the staff either. You know who it's about? It's about Journey North Church. It's about all of us taking the next right step. That's all it is. So whatever your next right step is, when you take that step, get that one off, get that picture off there. I don't want it. The rest of them are looking okay, but I don't need to see me anymore. Because really what it's about, I don't know if you notice a little sign behind there, it said better together. That's what it's about. When we're all taking our next 
best step, when we're making the next best choice, this place is going to explode with God's blessing. I don't know what that means or what it looks like. But I know that when you're taking your next best step and making your next best choice, for you, it will be better. And we do that better together. I need you. Just like you need me, we need each other to do this. So we need to together practice making better decisions. What that means when you practice anything, you practice to get better. But when you practice, what happens on a regular basis? You fail. That's why we practice to get better. So when we practice here and we fail, we don't discard people because they failed. We say, okay, get back up and under the power of God, with the Holy Spirit in you, let's try it again. And let's not, let, next time, we won't fall the same way. We'll find all new creative ways to fall. <laughs> That's how life works. But we can do this better together. We talk about, um, when, when, uh, when I talk to people about teaching, I say, there's always three things in my head. Always three things in my head. No, feel, and do. No, feel, and do. Knowing involves your thoughts. Feeling is obviously what you feel, your emotions, and then do it. That's the battlefield of the mind. If you want to change a behavior, if you focus on changing the behavior, I can almost guarantee this, it won't happen. Because you don't change the behavior first. That's God said, you don't change the behavior first. You change the mind first. So you need to know what you need to know. Then you can feel what you need to feel. And when you feel what you need to feel, you'll do what you're supposed to do. Too many churches have that backwards. They're just going to change what you're doing. Just change the outside. That changes nothing permanently. It's changing. This change starts here. That's what we need to do. Remember, I've shared this with you many times. Watch your thoughts, for they become your words. Watch your words, for they become your actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become character. And watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. And it all starts here. Let's pray. Father, I know this is one of those things that just, it just seems easy, but we know, we know that it's not because we struggle with it daily. We have rehearsed things in our heads that we shouldn't have for years. We want to change the way we think. We want to have our minds renewed so that we can know your good plan for us. So that we can stop making all of those mistakes. That we can learn together. That we can make that next best choice, that next best step. And that one step at a time, we can we can see our mind renewed to know what you would have for us. Father, we thank you that we have, because of your spirit, we have the power to be able to make those good choices. We have the power to be able to have the way we think changed so that we don't have to believe we are what somebody said we are years ago, that we can believe we are what you say we are. Father, thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. You know how that happens? One good decision at a time.
So here's what you need to do. You need to say, God, what's my next step? What's my next best step? And he'll tell you, and you'll say, nope, I'd like a different one. (laughs) Whatever he tells you your next best step is, take it. You have his power. You have his blessing. You have his authority. Take whatever step he tells you to take. And like Star Wars, you'll take your first step into a larger world that will blow your mind. I have walked with Jesus. Actually, it's the 8th. This past week, I said said to Julie, do you realize that, I think it was Tuesday, I said, 41 years ago on Tuesday, I preached my first sermon. I was was one. I was one year old. (laughs) I was 20. One step at a time. Whatever the next step is, don't worry about down the road. You're walking with Jesus. You can trust him. Whatever the next step is, say yes and take it. Let's pray. Oh, before we do that, if your next step is you've never joined Journey North Church, have I got a deal for you. <laughs> next Sunday, July 15th, we're having a Class 101. <laughs> It's a, it used to be four hours. We've got it down to three, three and a half. We're working hard on it. I think we start at noon with a meal. So you get your meal at noon next week. And then we go through this class. And you don't need to join the church if you take the class, but you need to take the class to join the church. Does that make sense? You'll learn everything you ever wanted to know about Journey North Church. And probably a whole bunch you didn't really care to know. But you'll know it. And then if you decide you want to join a church, that would be the time to do it. So if that's your next step, there's an opportunity for you. This is just a sample. There's a sign-up on the welcome desk in the back. Sign up with your information so we have adequate materials. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you that because of that love, we can change the way we think. That we don't have to be slaves. We don't have to be in bondage. We don't have to be captives to that any longer. That whatever you ask us to do, when our answer is yes, we can take that next step and we can begin walking with you. Father, thank you for what you're doing here in this church and I thank you for what you're doing through this church in this area. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.